Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University in Birmingham, Alabama. Now your host, Timothy George. Welcome to today's Beeson Podcast. Well, I have in the studio today uh, Jake Hansen. He's a graduate of Wheaton College and Beeson Divinity School, a good friend. And we're going to talk about our book he's just recently written on Billy Graham. So, Jake, welcome back to Beeson. Well, thank you for having me back. I'm, uh, it's a privilege to be here. Now, I remember you as a student when you came down from Wheaton. Uh, we've had a number of students from Wheaton come to Beeson Divinity School, and you were one of them. You were very active while you were here in the Christ the King Anglican Church, I believe. Yes, sir. Yeah. So t- tell us a little bit about that and about your wonderful family also. Well, we've been going to Christ the King Anglican Church with uh, the pastor, Lyle Dorsey, who's a professor here. He's a, been a great influence on me and a great influence really on this book and, and the story behind this book. My wife, Carissa, was actually the bookstore manager when I was here, and, and we had a, a child that ended that period of our lives, but uh, we have three children now. It's a privilege to have beautiful young girls in my family. So. I just saw Carissa come into the studio for our interview. I said, where are the babies? She said, her parents are in town, so they're they're taking care of the we babies. We have free babysitters for a moment. <laughs> I never see you all without the children, and they're beautiful. It's a wonderful Thank family you. God Thank has you. given to you. Well, Jake, how did you decide to write this biography of Dr. Billy Graham? Yeah, well, it really begins in my own journey when uh, Billy Graham's autobiography came out in 1995, 96. Just as I am, right? Just as I am. And I was a sophomore in high school, and I read that book, and I was just so impressed with Billy Graham, and he became one of my heroes. I ended up going to Wheaton College, like we've said, in 1999. I stepped onto the campus of Wheaton College, and of course, Billy Graham is an alumnus of Wheaton College. So uh, whenever I'm in the place where heroes are, I I get interested about what they did, and I breathe in the air, and I get nostalgic about uh, what they did. And And there's the Billy Graham Center at Wheaton. There's the Billy Graham Center there. So as I as I was on the campus, I was always wondering, what did Billy Graham do? Where did Billy Graham live? And I was always trying to find out what classes he took, who his teachers were, what the environment at Wheaton College was like. So this is really kind of a answer to that question, and I, I broadened it a bit. Kind of a background story is uh, I met Lyle Dorsett, who's a professor here now, yeah. a biographer, and he had written several biographies that I read, and I met with him to ask him about the biographies. And finally, he, he looked at me and he said, bro? You ever thought about writing your own biographies? <laughs> I said, no, but <laughs> he said, well, you pray about it. And I prayed about it, and he encouraged me, and he gave uh, me opportunities to work on writing and, and research for this this. Tell book. us a Billy Graham story from his Wheaton days that may not be so well known to everybody. Yeah, well, uh, one of the interesting things about Wheaton College is that there was a spontaneous movement of the Spirit of God, and it was a spontaneous a revival confession by one of the students got up and started confessing his sins to the student body, and that brought about a flood of students who confessed their sins. Well, Billy Graham, he at the time was a senior, and he was a part of the Christian council, and he was counseling other students. And as he was doing that, he he met with the president of Wheaton, Dr. V. Raymond Edmond, and he said, Dr. Edmond, I I need to pray with you. He said, well, what do you need, Billy? He said, I I want more of the Holy Spirit of my life. Mm. 
And so they sat and they, they prayed for more of the fullness of the Spirit in the life of Billy Graham. So, well, What year would that have been? That would roughly? have been 1943. 1943. It seems during the 40s especially, Billy Graham had this great hunger and thirst for the Holy Spirit. I remember a similar, somewhat similar story a little bit later uh, with Dr. Stephen Olford, mm-hmm. where you know he also uh, prayed with Billy Graham for a filling of the Holy Spirit. It's very interesting how he was so purposeful in the pursuit of the power of God in his life. And that's something that you don't necessarily see mm-hmm. um, just from looking at the outside of his ministry. But the inside of his ministry and the inside of his heart was very, very passionate. Yeah. And, and that's something that interests me. I think if Mr. Graham were here, maybe he's listening to this, <laughs> he would want you to talk a little bit about his meeting Ruth Bell at Wheaton College. It's interesting. He had had a relationship earlier that had fallen apart, and so he was a little bit skittish about girls for a little bit. But was that the, with Emily? Emily Cavanaugh. Say, say a little bit about that before you get to Ruth. Sure, sure. <laughs> well, Billy Graham had gone to the Florida Bible Institute before he went to Wheaton College in 1937, and the Florida Bible Institute was in Temple Terrace, Florida, in a building that had been a bankrupted golf course, and just a beautiful location with beautiful lush trees and sat on the Hillsborough River. And Billy Graham didn't really come there to become a preacher. He came there to have fun and enjoy himself and to meet girls. And he met Emily Cavanaugh. Well, he began dating Emily and his expectations began to grow and he thought that they might get married. And at the same time, her expectations started to weaken a little bit. And he was shocked by the fact that she ended up breaking up with him. And he was very, very hurt and impacted by that. That, of course, led to his own soul-searching about what he wanted to do, and he had had a few opportunities to preach at the Florida Bible Institute. He began to ask God, well, if you don't want Emily in my life, you know, she's a good, godly girl, what do you want from me? God's talking to him, saying, I want you to preach. Mm. But he says, well, I can't preach. He says, you can preach. He says, well, I don't have anywhere to preach. Nobody will have me preach at their churches. He says, I'll find the place for you to preach. You just follow me. And it's the famous story on the golf course. He's walking on the golf course late at night, and he kneels down, and he prostrates himself on the ground at the 18th uh, green of the golf course. And he says, Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go and preach wherever you want me to preach. And that's where he says he surrendered all. That's where he surrendered his life. And this was before Wheaton. This was before Wheaton yeah. at the Florida Bible Institute. So by the time he comes to Wheaton, he, you know, like I said, he's a bit skittish about girls and relationships. And uh, he had a friend that he was working with uh, by the name of Johnny Streeter. And he had a friend, Ruth Graham, who uh, he was friends with. And he was impressed with her because she was waking up at 4.35 in the morning having spiritual devotions and just a very godly girl, and she was known around Wheaton's campus as a, a very godly woman. She was the daughter of missionaries in China, where she had grown up, right? Yeah, and El Nelson Bell, her father, had a, a huge impact on Billy Graham, his ministry in Christianity today, uh, the founding of that. So Johnny Streeter said, you've got to meet this girl, Ruth Bell. So they're walking across campus one day, and Johnny stops Ruth and says, Ruth, come here, you've got to meet Billy. So Billy meets her. And they realized that they'd met once before. They'd seen each other. They'd, they'd never met before. But, you know, Ruth had heard him praying, and she thought, wow, that's a man who really knows how to, to pray to God. And he had walked past her one time and thought, ooh, that's a pretty girl. <laughs> <laughs> so when they met, and um, they had an interesting dating relationship, and 
Um, I think Ruth is uh, fiery and uh, Billy is a strong personality. So they, they clashed and they had to work out those differences. And uh, she wanted to be a missionary and he wasn't sure about being a missionary. So they had uh, a very interesting relationship. Well, a few years ago, I had the privilege of meeting both of them at the Cove, which is the Billy Graham Training Center in North Carolina. And what a gracious uh, lady she was and woman of faith and prayer. You could sense that just being in her presence. Mm-hmm. Billy Graham went to Wheaton and after Wheaton, for a short while, he became a pastor in the Wheaton area, I believe, Chicago area. Yeah, in Western Springs. Yeah. Say a little bit about that and his transition to the ministry of Youth for Christ because that's really how he became widely known. Yeah, well, he became this pastor at this small Baptist church, and it didn't really exactly fit him, and he tried to change the name uh, of the church from Western Springs Baptist to a less denominational church of village, uh, I think it was the Village Church, and uh, he just wanted to take out any hindrance to people coming, and he started to bring new people into the church, and some of the old people didn't exactly like that. They kind of wanted to have their own, own little network of people. At the same time, he had an opportunity to begin a radio ministry called Songs in the Night. Tory Johnson had given that up. I think it was put out by Moody Radio. So he had the opportunity to do the radio ministry, which really expanded his breadth and his ability to minister. One of the things that he asked for when he became the pastor of the church was that he could continue to do evangelistic ministries, meetings in, around the Chicago area and Indiana and in different places. So there became this little bit of a rub between a church that really wanted a full-time pastor that really invested in the people and Billy Graham, who had this enormous passion to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to expand a, a ministry through radio. He got sick with, I think he had mumps, which began to spread throughout his body, and it made him reevaluate whether he should be a pastor at all. So he went to Florida and met one of his friends, Tory Johnson, who was uh, just then starting Youth for Christ. And Tory Johnson laid out this vision for what he wanted to do with Youth for Christ, the evangelistic work that he wanted to do throughout the country and in Europe and throughout the world. And so he invited Billy Graham to to begin Youth for Christ. I think Billy Graham was the first full-time employee of Youth for Christ. He and, was. And this is the post-World War II era. Soldiers are coming back. There's a kind of youth culture uh, in the nation. And Youth for Christ fits that moment, doesn't it, as a call for evangelism. And it spreads like wildfire almost across the country. Yeah. And they were very concerned about people coming back, especially into the Chicago area and uh, from the war, and they were just wasting their lives away with you know booze and prostitutes and all all sorts of different things. And so they found a, an opportunity to reach those people who were in desperate need of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, one of the things I've l- so much admired about Billy Graham, he's, he's had this single-minded devotion calling from God to be an evangelist. He could have done any number of things in his life and had opportunities, but God had called him to be an evangelist. He made that very clear. But at the same time, he also had a much broader vision than we often associate with the word evangelism. For example, in 1948, he was an observer at the first meeting of the World Council of Churches in Amsterdam when he was sealed with Youth for Christ. Uh, he was involved in the beginning of a Fuller Theological Seminary and Christianity Today and so many other uh, ministries that have had an impact within the evangelical world and beyond. What is it about Billy Graham that gives him this expansive vision for the gospel and uh, for reaching the whole world with the gospel of Christ? 
Yeah, well, I think there's two things. One is the biblical command or call of an evangelist to equip the saints. And he saw this opportunity to equip many, many people, even outside of his evangelistic ministry. The other thing that, and this is a little bit more the focus of my book, is some of the people who invested in him. There was uh, Bob Jones, who he studied at Bob Jones for a semester. And there's a famous fallout with Bob Jones, of course. But at the Florida Bible Institute, the founder, W.T. Watson, Bob Jones and W.T. Watson are both, they both considered themselves evangelists before they considered themselves educators. So they have this vision of using their evangelistic ministry, but out of their evangelistic ministry, they're going to do educational systems. And so I think Billy sees that, sees the opportunity as an evangelist to use his evangelistic uh, ministry to educate people and to continue to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, you know, he sees issues within Christianity that need address. So, you know, he founds uh, Christianity Today. You know, so he sees opportunities outside of and tangential to his his ministry as an evangelist, which is very impressive. It's partly, I think, you know, he's had such a unique role in world Christianity. And I think that's a part of it that he, all of these, you might say, spinoffs are in no way a contradiction to his primary and first calling to be an evangelist, but really an extension yeah. of sharing that, that good news of Christ. And in some ways, you know, he, he became the president of a, a school, the Northwestern Bible College in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I remember growing up listening to the Hour of Decision, and of course that was always the address, write me, Billy Graham, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh -huh. That's all the address you need, <laughs> Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yeah. And that goes back to his being at the president for a short while of this Bible college. Yeah, It's really interesting how he ended up as the president of this school. It's almost outside of his calling. And, you know, I don't know if he would consider it a mistake, but some of the people who called him to be the president thought it was a mistake. He was, I think, 33 years old, very, very young, one of the youngest presidents to the of a college at the time. And he had this pull towards his evangelistic work. So he was away from school for most of the term and uh, didn't have much of an investment in the school comparatively to, I think, the expectations at the time. But he meets people who are uh, administrators who can take care of things while he's there. Uh, one of these men is uh, George Wilson, who becomes a chief administrator for Billy Graham and organizes Billy Graham's ministry. And he takes him away to the, you know, the BGEA uh, to, to work for him. And he reconnects with his boyhood friend, T.W. Wilson, who's an important part of his team. So he's encountering many different things, and things are kind of coming together during this time, even though it doesn't exactly fit what his real deep passions were. Yeah. Uh, another thing about Billy Graham that's always impressed me is his sense of commitment to the unity of the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And in a way, this maybe goes back to his courtship and marriage to Ruth Bell, who was a real Presbyterian yeah. and never became a Baptist. Yeah. Uh, Billy never became a Presbyterian, but mm -hmm. they had a kind of ecumenical movement in their own marriage, so to say. Yeah. They were able to live together in harmony and serve the Lord and respect one another. And, of course, you know, Billy Graham extended that much more broadly than just Baptists and Presbyterians. A uh, very controversial thing he did in 1958 in his New York crusade was begin to work with Roman Catholics and invite mm -hmm. Roman Catholics to share in the planning and preparation for his crusade. Mm -hmm. uh, say a little bit about that dimension of Billy Graham's life and work. Yeah, well, even early on, he you know he grew up in a Presbyterian home. He was baptized in the Christian and Missionary Alliance Church, and then he was baptized again 
in the Southern Baptist tradition. So he's got three baptisms. He's ordained by two different denominations, and he says he's doing this so that the breadth of his ministry isn't impacted, that he has doors open to preach the gospel. So he's always got this single-minded approach to have open doors to preach the good news of Jesus Christ, whether that's to Baptists, to Presbyterians, to Catholics. He, he's always looking for open doors. And I think that's how he sees it, is that these are opportunities to reach as many as people as possible, not just my Southern Baptist tradition, but everybody in this whole world needs the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, Billy Graham was baptized three times, but he had read the New Testament well enough to know that Paul says there's one Lord, <laughs> one faith, and one baptism. So uh, this is a fact not terribly well known, uh, but on the very day that Pope John Paul II was elected as the Pope, Billy Graham was preaching at his home church back in Krakow, Poland. He had invited him there to help with a kind of youth uh, revival in that country. And so at, even at that level, he was able to bridge some of these differences, I think not ever uh, ceasing to be what God had called him to be by conviction. And he, he maintained his commitment to Jesus Christ and to the Holy Scriptures and still does today, but has not used his denominational background as a box or a barrier, but rather as a bridge. Uh, to reach out to other people. Well, uh, you you talk in your book. Uh, the, the, by the way, the book is entitled "Igniting the Fire: The Movements and Mentors That Shaped Billy Graham." And we talked about some of the mentors you've mentioned. Are there any others that you'd like to bring to our attention? There were just many men who really invested in Billy Graham. One of the men who launched his ministry was John Minder at the Florida Bible Institute, who saw in Billy a, a good young man that he thought could be used for the, the kingdom of God. So you know, John Minder, he's a man who's giving Billy Graham opportunities to preach his first sermons. And mm. you know, Billy talks about his first time preaching. He, he had a few uh, sermons memorized and preached them all within five or six minutes and he was yeah. done and John Minder comes up and he picks up the pieces and encourages Billy and says, look, Billy, you don't, you don't have to be perfect this first time. Just uh, continue to grow. And he gives him more and more opportunities and, and walks with him through those times. Uh, when Billy Graham uh, broke up with his girlfriend, John Minder was there beside him crying with him at, mm. at, late at night, just talking mm. with him and telling him it's going to be okay. Your your world hasn't ended because of a girlfriend breakup. You know, another person, I, I don't know if you would call him a mentor. He was a contemporary of Billy Graham, but had a great influence on Billy Graham was Dr. John Stott, mm -hmm. uh, the rector of All Souls uh, Church in London and very involved in the Billy Graham Crusades in London and elsewhere throughout the world. Uh, and, of course, there's J. Oswald Smith also we could mention sure. in that regard from sure. Toronto, a great uh, – pastor and missionary uh, uh, inspire. Yeah, and he came down to the Florida Bible Institute to speak at, at their chapels, and it, there was a flood of the leaders of fundamentalism and evangelicalism who were coming to the Florida Bible Institute to, to speak, and were really impressing on Billy these truths of the gospel. Now, I was impressed, Jake, with a lot of the kind of original research you did for this book. I mean, you uncovered some things that are not readily found in the standard biographies. Oh, did you learn anything in your research that particularly surprised you about Billy Graham? Yeah, there, there were two things that really stuck out to me, and maybe they shouldn't have stuck out to me. But the first thing is how God was really orchestrating things to work together for this ministry of Billy Graham. Uh, just an amazing story of people coming into his life and circumstances working together really to prepare a servant of God for a worldwide ministry. 
The second thing that really surprised me, and, and we've spoken a little bit about this, is Billy Graham's passion for evangelism. In the 1950s or 60s, he, he led a devotion for his BGEA uh, staff members. And in this devotion, he says, you know, Paul, John Wesley, D.L. Moody, all these men have a magnificent obsession mm. to save souls. Mm. And he looks at his staff and he says, we, brothers and sisters, we have a magnificent obsession. We have a magnificent obsession to go into this world and preach the good news of Jesus Christ, and this is what we're called to. So there's this passion that you don't necessarily see. And I grew up with uh, Billy Graham and the the uh, you know, the winner of his ministry, you know, kind of an older gentleman. But the passion is really deep inside of yeah of Billy Graham. Billy Graham's magnificent obsession. I love it. Let me read uh, one of the endorsements you have on your book. It's by uh, my friend uh, David Howard, uh, who was uh, for many years the international director of the World Evangelical Alliance, a wonderful historian himself and scholar as well as a great mission leader. He says this, Although I have known Billy personally for well over 50 years, I found exciting new perspectives here in this book by Jay Hansen. I heartily recommend this book as a valuable addition to all that has ever been written about Billy Graham. That's a great endorsement from a great friend of Billy Graham. Privileged to have that. So my guest today on the Beeson Podcast has been Jake Hansen. He's a graduate of Wheaton College and of Beeson Divinity School. He's written a wonderful new book, Igniting the Fire, The Movements and Mentors That Shaped Billy Graham. God bless you, Jake. Thank you for coming by today. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast with host Timothy George. You can subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at our website, BeesonDivinity.com. Beeson Divinity School is an interdenominational evangelical divinity school training men and women in the service of Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast will aid and encourage your work, and we hope you will listen to each upcoming edition of the Beeson Podcast.